This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. Uh, when I think of nature, and I think of my title of my talk, Magical, Mystical Nature, uh, it's miraculous what comes through nature. And to think that we're all a part of that. We're all connected in such a deep way to nature, and it makes such a difference in our life to know that. And imagine, as in the song says, if we had to teach a seed to grow, or we had to tell the sun when to rise or set, or, or set the clock for the world to spin at a certain rate and hold itself in a certain position. It's all done extraordinarily, miraculously, our ordinary miracles. It's all the same. It's just all miraculous. And I have to admit that growing up, I didn't know much about miracles or I didn't even really understand how sacred nature was. All I knew was that I loved nature. I loved every aspect of nature and I just couldn't wait to be out in nature, in the woods, in the hills, in the dales, in the greenery, in the, near the streams and rivers, climbing trees, just anything to be out in nature. My experience in nature was just one of being impelled to be a part of nature, impelled to love every aspect of it. And in nature, uh, I just felt so complete, so fulfilled. So I would do most anything to get my chores done in time, uh, including maybe even occasionally ditching school to be in nature instead. I will admit it, I will admit it. <laughs> In any case, it was interesting because uh, a lot of the experiences that I've had in life, uh, I, I picked up a book uh, about John Muir, and I found out that they parallel so many of the experiences that John Muir had. Uh, if you don't know who he was, John Muir uh, was born in 1838 and became uh, a naturalist, a conservationist, and the voice uh, of nature for first the U.S. and then the world. And he became such a, a light uh, in the world of understanding how important it is that we care for nature, that we have compassion for nature, that we treat nature just like we would treat our best friend. That, yes, human beings are sentient, but he even believed the trees and nature was sentient in so many ways. So he was connected at a, at a mystical level. And uh, I even love the fact that his word for God was beauty, the beauty of nature, just like we think of God as love. He thought of the word beauty as representing that expression of God. And so when he finally met one of the greatest transcendentalists in the world, Ralph Waldo Emerson, in the 1870s, uh, they shared such a bond. You may know that Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote the essay, Nature, in which it was so profound, his depth of understanding of how God is expressing through nature, and that uh, through nature is how we really come to understand God more easily and, and uh, ex express in ourselves the same things that we see as the beauty and the love that nature represents. So when these two met, Emerson realized that Murr was also a transcendentalist, even though he may not have gone by that title. 
what does it mean to be a transcendentalist? It means to go beyond the thinking of the time, which was that we're separate from God, that God created all this and that we're separate from it. No, Emerson says, no, we are all a part of it. God is in nature, nature is in us, God is in us. It's all connected, it's all unified. And that's exactly the way Murr believed long before he met Emerson. But they connected in such a deep way. Emerson uh, went on hikes with him into the Yosemite area and became completely enthralled with Murr's ideas and helped to uh, get those out into the world and promote them more. Uh, even to the point where he connected them to uh, lots of people in high places and ultimately John Moore took Theodore Roosevelt, uh, our president at the time in the early 1900s, into nature, and they camped out for three days, and every day as they hiked, they had deeper and more profound discussions uh, about the reasons why we needed to preserve nature and conserve nature, and it resulted in Theodore Roosevelt helping to create a lot of the parks that we have today that are set aside as conservatory. And Murr himself helped create a lot of them. In fact, ultimately, he created what's called the Sierra Club. Most of you know about that. Uh, interesting that he did because uh, I came up with an acronym, CLUB, for what I want to talk about, C-L-U-B, and I'm going to invite each of you to join this club. This uh, club is, sta C stands for connection, L stands for love, U stands for unity, and B stands for beauty, although in the Tao, the B would be balance of nature. But we're going to stick to beauty right now, okay? And so I want to talk a little bit about the connection that nature represents for me because I've had both uh, profound physical experiences and profound mystical experiences in nature. And one of the experiences I had, I was uh, honored by Jane writing about in her book, uh, I happened to be uh, in a beautiful, beautiful forest. Uh, I believe it was in the Hoosier National Forest in southern Indiana. And I was sitting uh, next to a stream with my back up against this big, beautiful tree. And I was meditating, looking out, deciding how beautiful it was, meditating on it, and how great it was to be connected with all that was around me, in a physical sense, yes. And then, as I meditated, I began to morph into, literally, the energy of the tree. I began to feel as though I was the tree. I was one with the tree. I was becoming tree. And I was seeing the world through the energy of the tree, and I was imagining staying in that one spot for the hundreds of years that this tree represented and seeing all the changes, all the beauty, uh, and imagining it almost in a higher speed so that you could see the amazing changes that are taking place and how I'm a part of it all. And when I came out of that experience, I tried to explain it to people, and it's what they call ineffable. You really can't explain an experience like that because it's beyond the normal physical understanding of what we are. It's mystical. Mystic experience means seeing into the reality of what's true beyond the illusion of where we're at the belief in separation, the belief in time and space, when in fact we know that we're much more than all of that. And to experience that just brought that home and changed my life in such wonderful ways. Uh, the more I read about Murr, the more I felt like we were 
brothers out of time. Uh, he was born and raised in Dunbar, Scotland, uh, and then at 12 moves to, moved to a farm in Wisconsin. I was born and raised in Chicago, moved to a farm in northern Illinois near Wisconsin. Uh, he went to Madison to live, I went to Madison to live. Uh, he moved west, I moved west. Uh, his last name means uh, those who lived by the moors. My last name, Passmore, means those who passed by the moors. Scotland, you know, uh, you know, if I believed in reincarnation, I might, wait a minute, I do believe in reincarnation. <laughs> You never know. You never know in this lifetime who we're channeling. Uh, but right now I'd like to channel uh, John Moore. And uh, his book uh, is called A Passion for Nature. And I just got so involved in that. Uh, and Passion for Nature was written by Donald Worcester. And I have it in Audible, so I didn't bring it here to read from it. But I did bring a second book that I'd like to read one quick passage from. It's called The Wild Myrrh. It says... Uh, selected and introduced by Lee Stetson, 22 of John Murr's Greatest Adventures. And I almost dropped the book when I saw that because when I started writing my book, I'd had 22 of my most amazing adventures and one more parallel. Holy cow, what's going on here? Uh, I actually happened to have a 23rd at the end of the writing of the book, which I included almost like an addendum. But uh, so many adventures in here that as I read them, I said, I've had that adventure, I've had that adventure, I've climbed that mountain, I've done that. Here's one that, is, uh, that really spoke to me. I love storms. I remember being on the top of a mountain in Colorado uh, in a, a, the most amazing storm. And in storms, there's all these negative ions that are created by the lightning, and they tend to really serotonin. They just put you in this high, this state of unbelievable connection with everything. And here's what happened to him. A storm came up while he was in the high Sierras. And uh, he said, ah, I see a tall tree, a Douglas spruce. Uh, they were the tallest of the group of spruces that were growing close together like a tuft of grass, no one of which seemed likely to fall unless all the rest fell with it. Though comparatively young, they were about 100 feet high, and their lithe, brushy tops were rocking and swirling in wild ecstasy. Being accustomed to climbing trees, in making botanical studies, I experienced no difficulty reaching the top of this one, the 100-footer, by the way. And never before did I enjoy so noble an exhilaration of motion. The slender tops fairly flapped and swirled in a passionate torrent, blending and swirling backward and forward, round and round, tracing indescribable combinations of vertical and horizontal curves, which I clung while I clung with muscles firm-braced like a bobolink on a reed. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Can you imagine hanging in the top of a tree, swirling around like that? It's almost like a ride in Disneyland or something, and yet there it is, right in the middle of nature, enjoying the same sort of things that we have to pay huge amounts for. He goes on to talk about all the things that he saw, all the things that he heard, all the things that he uh, smelled in terms of the fragrances. I mean, he just totally immersed himself in this experience. And I have to say, uh, I just understand that so well. Uh, here's one of my favorite statements that he made. Every time you walk between two pine trees, you open the door to a new world. Wow. Let me say that again. Every time you walk between two pine trees, you open the door to a new world. Your world can change. You can start your life over again. It's almost like a born-again statement. 
uh, it just gives me chills to, to talk about it because I think about walking and, and knowing that as I walk between these two trees, I can change everything in my life. I can start all over again. I can look around and say, I am that, I am that, I am that. And it's all connected. We're all a part of it. So, yes, he's a brother out of time. And I would highly recommend that you pick up one of his books. Uh, so, connection we talked about. Love is the second letter in club. And I'd like to tell a quick story about one of my dear friends. Most of you know her. Her name is Dee Elko. And during one of our mastermind meetings, she talked about a healing that she received that changed her uh, mood and her emotions and her, almost her life in a way so dramatically that she was released of a pain and, and she immediately was going off to a, a vacation spot. Uh, and as she got there, everyone that she connected with there, it was like it was a perfect harmony. Everyone was a friend immediately. Everyone she had something in common with. They were just, the vibration is what it was. They were on the same she created that vibration. She sent it out. She attracted other people to her that had that vibration. She didn't attract anybody that was down and out. She didn't attract, attract anybody that was angry. It was all about love. It was the love that she understood from that healing that she was expressing. It's like we talk about if you're going to meet someone uh, that you've had some issues with, Think of all the good things, all the aspects of them that you love, and when you meet them, that vibration is what you will attract. And that's what she did on this. So love is all about recognizing that as we send out that vibration, we receive back in kind those people, those circumstances, and that love that we're sending out. So the third letter is unity. Uh, and unity, to me, uh, is the ultimate of who we are and how we really exist beyond the illusion. It, it's a unified world, it's a unified universe. And I'm gonna share one more mystical experience I had. I don't consider myself to be a mystic in normal times, but like all of us, like probably a lot of you, you've had some kind of experience that you can't explain in normal terms and you, you call it whatever you want to, but I, I call this mystical. Uh, again, I was uh, on a mountaintop uh, looking out over some of the most beautiful uh, scenery in nature I'd ever seen. Uh, it's all like that, by the way. It's all, it's all like that when you're in the wild. And uh, again, I was meditating. And after my meditation, I opened my eyes to look out again, and all of a sudden I felt this unitive experience, like I'm a part of everything, everything's a part of me, we're all one, and I experienced what we talk about as being unified with all that is. And that changes your life. I've had, I've had a number of experiences that have changed my life in dramatic ways, and that was one of the more profound ones. And so what we, what we can get from that is that the truth behind the illusion is that we are all one. And I'm sure some of you have had that experience and know that by experience and not by reading about it. That's the way I like to see all of us uh, at some point allow into our lives. Allow that experience to come. Take the opportunity to be in nature, uh, to do your meditation, do your contemplation, to be at peace, and to allow what nature has to give to us, the uplifting. Uh, not just 
the physical aspects that we know are beneficial, whether it be the essences that are released uh, or the oxygen or uh, the good psychological feelings. It's, it's actually being a part of that uh, in, in a real way and experiencing it as something beyond normal, something extraordinary. So uh, I picked up uh, another book uh, that I think represents that pretty well. This is uh, one of my favorite books also. It's called Journey Into Nature by Michael Rhodes. I've had this for maybe 10 years and I've read it probably six times. Uh, and I always get completely immersed in it and get so lost in the story that I feel, gosh, I wish I was there with him and maybe I am in some ways. Uh, the first part I'll read to you is uh, about our connection to nature and the second part will be about our unification. So uh, this Michael Rhodes, and this is a real gentleman that exists, lives in, lived in Australia, moved to the U.S., uh, but he lived in uh, Tasmania. And, and, yeah, Tasmania. And uh, he had a farm, and he was uh, spraying blackberries to kill them because they were invading his farm area. And he stopped on his tractor as he was doing this, and he kind of sat in a, in a contemplative state for the longest time, fell asleep, woke back up, and realized uh, that he was feeling as though he was existing as Blackberry. He began to feel as though he had gone into a state of being Blackberry and he was being sprayed with this toxic chemical. And he stopped spraying for the rest of his life. And he was telling his wife about the experience. Her name is Trini. And he's and he said, then Trini spoke after I told him her about it and said, I, you know, this seemed so bizarre and unusual. She said, my darling, he says, when she begins like that, I know I am in for a lecture. <laughs> and sometimes a patronizing one. She continued, if there is one thing we have learned along our path is that time, space, and separation are all illusions, powerful ones perhaps, but illusions all the same. And I, that just stuck with me because he had the same kind of experience I had as tree, he had as blackberry. And here's the second part I want to read. He uh, has connected with the god of nature whom in uh, Greek mythology is called Pan. And he was really having uh, in his mind a conversation with Pan and seeing him almost uh, literally as an apparition when Pan helped him see into nature in a way he had never done before. Uh, he says, I look at the tree uh, through eyes that are undoubtedly my own, but that must be normally closed. Imagine my dilemma. I'm trying to describe something that is metaphysical with words that have been created for a physical reality. The, the tree on which I feast my eyes is both physical and more than physical. To say it is beautiful is trite. It is something beyond our classification of beauty. It is alive in a way far beyond our understanding of that word. Take the fallen branch on which I'm standing, for example. By normal definitions, it's dead, lifeless branch, yet I now see it as seething with energy. It is no longer animated by the sap of the tree. It is nevertheless vibrant with a life not dependent on the growing tree. Despite a process of decay, the dead wood is a force field within itself, host to an incredible array of tiny, almost transparent beings. And the tree from which it fell in normal terms, the tree is just another gum tree, without any particular beauty of shape or foliage. 
But in this realm, it is breathtaking. It is a living rainbow moving as a column from the earth, flowing into the shape of the physical tree. The rainbow of energy is enclosed in a sheath of vibrant white, motionless motion and light. Uh, that's what the reality is beyond the illusion. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to kind of bring us to a close with uh, a remembrance of this word club. Uh, I would like all of you to be a member of it. I'd like all of you to go out and solicit more members. How? By being passionate about connection, about love, about unity, and about beauty. And remember that nature is all about balance. Uh, I would say that uh, from the Tao, the, the Tao says if nature gets out of balance, there's too much of one thing, it reduces. If there's too little of one thing, it increases. And we're at a stage in our evolution where we are walking toward that cliff of where we might be reduced dramatically if we don't do something about it. So what can we do? Uh, we don't want to be part of the 99.9% .9 of all life that's ever existed on Earth that has gone extinct. We want to use our consciousness and our technology and our logic to make changes. The consciousness part means that we see the beauty in nature, we focus on it, and as we focus on it, it grows. We see it growing, we become a part of it growing, like ripples in a pond. We, we share our passion about nature with everybody that is willing to listen, that has an ear to hear, so to speak, okay? Uh, we help contribute to technologies that conserve and restore nature. And ultimately, there's a solution that's so simple that nature can provide. All we have to do to be a part of it is to help it happen, and that's to plant more trees. If we plant enough trees around the world to approximately fill the size of the country of India, we will have absorbed almost all of the CO2 from our industrial operations around the world. And that's at the present rate. If we cut back, it even does better. So trees, hug a tree. Know that trees are the answer. And uh, I will just close by saying that uh, love, that L that's in uh, the club, is probably the master of everything else. And if we stay focused on love, uh, we will definitely be able to go out into the world and make those changes that we know need to be made from a point of love and a point of seeing the good instead of from negativity. So let's do that. Blessings. <laughs>